Hello, ladies, and welcome to another exciting episode on the Ask with Confidence podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today, and I hope you leave this episode feeling empowered to take on your most difficult conversations. I'm your host, Katherine Kanapke. I'm a nurse, mediator, and the communications and operations manager at the American Negotiation Institute, and I am passionate about helping women like you get the most out of your conversations and get ahead in life. Before we start, is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If so, check out our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we would love to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. All right, Susan, thank you for joining us. I'm excited to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? So what I do, if anybody's ever negotiated and felt like they might've left something on the table or just felt overwhelmed by the whole process, my goal is to reduce or eliminate that overwhelm and to make you the best and most effective negotiator you can be. That is fantastic. So we had a listener we asked questions to our audience and asked them to tell us kind of what topics they wanted, wanted us to cover. And one of the things that an audience member said was sticking to prepared points while also trying to be authentic or navigate the flow of discussion. And we talked a little bit about that. So did you, in our pre-interview, did you want to kind of give your opinion on that? Of course I do. <laughs> the, it's a really good question and it's very difficult to do. I look at negotiating, let me back up a minute, because what I do is I look at negotiating as, as having two phases to it, two parts of a cycle. And one of them is the preparation phase, and I call that getting negotiation ready. And then the other part is the engaging phase, and I, and I look to how you can engage effectively. And when I talk about getting negotiation ready, I talk about the three R's of negotiation readiness, which is research, rehearse, and review. Now, the person who came up with that question, what I would do is focus in on the rehearse part of getting negotiation ready. And what that involves, it involves many things, but one of, the, one of the key things it involves, for me at least, is to create a written list, a written agenda, a, you know, a written plan of bullet points of what I know I want to cover during the negotiation. Everybody has limited bandwidth. I have extremely limited bandwidth. So once I've written things down, that I don't have to remember them. And when I'm not worried about remembering everything, what I can do is focus on my counterpart. Because when I'm, in order to engage effectively, what I wanna do is focus as much as possible on my counterpart. So that would be one important way of being prepared and being able to stay on kind of on track okay. without being rigidly stuck in a plan. Fantastic. What are the best ways that you would rec recommend for research? For research, okay, when you're getting negotiation ready, the idea of research is really all of the negotiation readiness is a question, answering questions with respect to yourself, which is relatively easy, and then making hypotheses about what you know or think you know or feel like would be likely with respect to your counterpart. So when you're researching yourself, you want to understand what are your real interests? Mostly what we do is we, we short circuit, we take this jump from interest to our positions. We're like, oh, I need to make X in salary, or oh, you know, I, I need to work on this project, whatever it is, things like that. And we get focused on those specific representations. But if we go below and really think about, well, why do I need this salary? That requires putting together a budget. 
All right, so part of it is how much do I need to make to live on, to pay off my obligations, to meet other needs that I have, those kinds of things. But it also means looking at what, what else is important to me in a position. I want to get paid competitively in the marketplace, so I need to know what that means. I need to do that research. Also, I may be looking to, to up my, my compensation from my current position, which might or might not be realistic, depending on whether I'm taking a lateral move, whether I'm moving to a smaller organization. Those are all things that I want to take into account. I want to research and understand. I think that aspirational goals are extremely important. I also think you want to understand what the realities are so that when you, you step back from your aspirational goals, you're still at or above what's realistic. That is brilliant. I, I like that you talk about kind of turning it inward and doing a, a bunch of self-reflection there. Now, going back to the question that the audience member had, I think there's some concern with, okay, now I've prepared all of these questions, but how do I, how do I put it into a flow of conversation and make it more conversational rather than I'm just firing off all of these questions? So another component of research is that you go through that same exercise, all the, any of the exercises involved with research, and there's more than just interest, but you go through that same exercise of thinking about what are the interests of your counterpart rather than any positions. I mean, this quote offer that you're getting or this opportunity that you're getting, you want to get more information. And you want to think about what that, you know, what that person might have in their mind. One of the things I, I use as an example is people often, we get an opportunity. Somebody says, oh, I want you to work on this project. Can you work on this project? And our immediate response is going to be very binary, right? You're either going to say yes or no, because we feel like we have to respond immediately and we have to respond decisively. And the fact is we don't even know anything probably about this this opportunity, you know, so you can start by asking a couple questions like, can you tell me more about this, this project? Or when is the project due? Or how much time do you expect it to take? Or what are you looking for me to contribute to this project? Any of those questions are perfectly reasonable. They shouldn't put your, the person asking you, you know, on the defense because you're now expressing an interest. Yeah. So understanding that set of questions, which are information gathering questions, once you've got information, there still may be a negotiation. You know, you may be talking about, I'd love to work on this project. I have these other projects. So I want to figure out if, if, for example, it's all coming from the same person, what adjustments can we make to my deadlines, my deliverables, whatever else it is on these other projects so that I can really contribute effectively to the new project. That is brilliant. Now, what would you say, like once you've prepared these questions, how, how do you prepare for the unprepared? What about the questions that you, you don't prepare for? What is the best way to address that? I think there are a couple ways. So in getting negotiation ready and being and in the rehearsed part of that process, going back to what we were talking about a couple minutes ago, mm -hmm. one of the things you can do is you can role play. If you, have, if you have somebody in your, you know, in your circle who will help you with that. It might be a colleague, it might be a mentor, it might be somebody, a friend. It doesn't have to be somebody in the organization or in the sit related to the situation, it can be somebody completely outside. The secret, I think, to effective role play is when you're doing that role play, you should play your counterpart. You wanna, you wanna make sure, because the fact of the matter is, really effective negotiations occur when you're thinking and focused on and really understanding your counterpart. And although we say, as an intellectual 
exercise, oh yes, I put myself in my counterpart's shoes. The fact of the matter is, is that until you're kind of on the spot and the person who's role playing with you is playing you, then you're gonna start hearing what, you know, what the questions are or what the, what the responses are or what you are saying. And because when we think of what we're gonna say, we know we're extremely persuasive. We've got all our ducks in a row. You know, we're gonna sound so competent. We're gonna sound so good. And then when we hear ourselves, as it were, in this role play, we might be like, oh, I sound pushy, or I sound unsure, or wait a minute, as, the, as playing my counterpart, yeah, I'm hearing this person has a lot on X, but actually, now that I'm hearing it, I realize I'm more interested in Y, and, and they're not, she's not talking about Y at all. So these are things can help you get a, some insight into what your counterpart is really interested in. That is absolutely brilliant. I mean, I would have never thought to kind of think from the mindset of the other side. Now, once you have kind of found these loopholes, what is the best way to kind of adjust your plan? Well, you know, by definition, I think that's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. It's being open to adjustment. That's, that's the first step. If you're looking for ways to develop flexibility because you feel you don't have it, what I would say is find an improv group in your, in your area that you might be able to play with or take an improv class or take a storytelling class. These are things that will get you out, possibly out of your comfort zone, but they'll also make you a little more flexible in how you, you talk about things or respond to the unexpected, particularly improv. It's really good about with that. Another thing to do is to start practicing a focus on your counterpart early and in low stakes situations. That's the second thing. So find people, you know, who are friends or whatever else and play around with negotiations that you wouldn't normally engage in. So somebody asks you, you know, that you, you're going to get together and do something rather than delegate where they want to go. Why not find out more? Ask, you know, ask how questions or what questions, ask questions about where, you know, where they're thinking of what they're interested in, you know, look at trying to research what their interests are and what kinds of questions are effective in doing that. And then you can propose a place, right? I mean, they might say, oh, I like going to X restaurant. And you're like, is it because you love, you know, food or is it because you like the atmosphere or because it's quiet enough that you're, that you can talk? I mean, these are because I'd like to suggest a place, but I want to know what's important to you. That is, I've got nothing to say to that. <laughs> because I mean, that's just, Brilliant. And I think that's very helpful in when it comes time to the quote unquote real negotiation. Yeah. You don't want to save your, you know, you don't want to save your, your practice session for something really important. You want to practice in very low stakes situations. And the key, anyone who, you know, if you read the habit research and that kind of thing, what anyone will, will tell you is that trying to create like a habit we think of negotiation, oh, it's a habit. Well, actually, negotiation, there are many behaviors that go into negotiating effectively. So what you want to do is create habits related to each of those behaviors. So pick one that's easy and practice it so that it becomes second nature. And then pick another one and practice it. You know, and, and then you'll start building your repertoire. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to connect. Our workshops are completely customized to reflect the specific and individual concerns faced by you and your team. 
Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Click the link in the description to learn more. And now let's get back to the episode. Since we like to focus on women on this podcast, what kind of challenges are there for females when it comes to having success in preparation or preparing for the unprepared? Well, I think, I think that sometimes as women, we negotiate against ourselves. So we're not, we, we kind of somehow start as if the first few rounds of negotiations have already taken place. And when we set our goals or our aspirational, you know, numbers and our reservation numbers, I mean, you should have a reservation number or, or value really, because it's not a number. If you're thinking about something even as important as compensation, there's more to compensation than the salary figure. There are things like the benefits plan, and that has a value. Things like remote working, that has a value. Things like subsidies, commuter or parking subsidies, that has a value. All those things have a value. You need to identify what that value is to you so that the entire package, compensation package, has a value. And then you can evaluate it against, you know, you, can, you set that value kind of for yourself and you understand the value relative to what's the minimum you can accept, what's the market, and what's your aspirational value. And the reservation value being the minimum you can accept, you set that. And then you, you write it down on a piece of paper and you seal it in an envelope and you shouldn't ever look at it again until you're down to sort of the final decision. Because if you're down to the final decision and, some, and the value of what you're talking about is less than your reservation value, you, can't, you really can't accept. But your aspirational value is what you really want to focus on. You might not get it, but if you're not looking up, you're not even going to get close to it. So that's, that's one aspect of this. Another aspect of it is to avoid negotiating against themselves. Another is to focus on what their, their interpersonal goal is, right? And, so, and very often we, we conflate, we sort of get confused between wanting to be liked and wanting to be respected. Absolutely. At the end of the day, especially in business, it's, it's what's important is that people respect you. They may or may not like you, but frankly, that's okay. They don't have to like you. They need to respect you. And the ways to gain respect is to be to be a strong advocate for yourself without being strident. Now, you may be perceived as strident, that's okay. But when you've done your research, when you know what you, you want, when you're clear about it, you can, just, you can be definite without being loud or without being you know, a shrill. You, know, you, just, you can use a calm tone of voice, you can smile, but you still don't give up and you are actually stubborn. And people will turn around and respect that. They will not like it. But when you're consistent, people understand that you're going to, you know, that you will have done your research, you're clear about what you want, you're really interested, and you listen to what they have to say. That's important. And you take into account what they have to say and look for ways to find things that take their interests into account while still holding on to your interests and looking for ways to bring those into some kind of either, either something that brings both together in a way that, you know, both can be accommodated to a greater degree or lesser degree, but to some degree, or that you've identified through your research standards that say, you know, we're in, we're in a little bit of conflict over which of these interests which should predominate. And I have this standard which suggests that this interest, you know, which is paying women a competitive salary or paying me a competitive salary is what should, what should prevail. Because if you go, if you're going to hire anybody else, they're going to come with the same interest. 
And you mentioned focusing on interpersonal goals and doing that through listening. What is the best way to, you know, listen to the other party? Like how can we make it so they know that we're listening, but also holding our own? Well, it's always challenging. The, the negotiation experts at Harvard's program on negotiation will tell you that one of the best things you can do is what's called active listening. And while it's one of the best things to do, it's also one of the most awkward feeling things to do. And because it's one of the most awkward feeling things to do, we try, we avoid doing it. So I would also say this is something to practice as much as possible in a, in a low stakes situation so that you become more facile and more comfortable with it. What active listening involves is being able to repeat back to someone what they've said to you. Very often, and Stephen Covey said it the best, is that we listen with an intent to reply rather than with an intent to hear. So what, if, you, if you think about that, right, when you're listening to someone, you're, you're so busy thinking, okay, what am I going to say back? What am I going to say back? That you're not hearing what they're actually saying on any level, whereas what they're saying contains meaning on several levels. Whereas if you really listen with an intent to be able to say to them, okay, you know, it sounds to me like this is what's most important to you in this situation. You need to fill the position quickly, or you're under severe budget constraints, or this is a project that has a tight deadline, or whatever it is. The person, you know, if you're right, the person will say, yes, that's right. If you're wrong, the person will be like, no, that isn't what I mean. I don't need, you know, yes, I have budget constraints, but it's more important that I do X. So you'll be getting information that way. You want to be collecting information all the time. The more information you have about your counterpart, the more you're going you're gonna to be able to come up with something that's of value to them as well as achieving your interests. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people think that they're listening. They're feeling like I'm hearing what the person is saying. But then once it goes to kind of sort out your thoughts and kind of show that you've been listening, it's really hard to put words because you're so busy trying to think of how am I going to respond? What do I say to this? And I I think there's a lot of fear in that. So I I love the point that you made that a lot of us are just listening with the intent to reply and not really hearing what's being said. We are coming up on time, but I did want to have you touch on the engaging phase and what you meant by that because you kind of mentioned it in the beginning, um, but we didn't really cover it. Well, we sort of been talking about it in the last question. It's this process of how you communicate with your counterparty. And what you want to be doing is really reinforcing to that individual that you're listening and you're taking, you're giving weight and validity to their interests. So what you, what you're looking to do is find ways of getting as much information about them as possible and finding ways to connect with them, which is women, that's one of our strengths. So Part of it is in the research phase. You can do tremendous amounts of research now on the internet that weren't available to us in back in the day. You know, you've got to be careful, right? Because if you see that you both went to the same university and you had a wonderful experience, you don't want to assume that they had a wonderful experience. They might have had a horrible experience. But, you know, you can, you may be able to say, oh, I see, you know, that we both went to the University of XYZ. And then you can hear what they say about it. Or if you see that you know someone who knows them through LinkedIn, you can reach out to your contact and say, you know, this person showed up as a connection. Is it someone you know, right? Because that's always a question. (laughs) But they may be able to give you some insight or some information. So that's one part of it to try and establish some, some connections. And it may have nothing to do with business or school, 
might have to do with hometown or you know, work experience or something like that. And then the second thing is that in the interaction, so the engaging effectively, it's really, again, working on understanding the other person. And the kinds of things that help, help communicate that are when you do active listening. When you say, you know, they're saying, well, we need this, or this is important, this is what important. If you then say, and what else, you know, and what else? It's a way of, of keeping, of, of feeling, having them feel that it's like they'll think. That makes them think because they think they've put everything out that they need or want or whatever. And if you say, and what else? Or then they'll be more inclined to, to think and be like, huh, what else? And they may come up with a couple things. Those things that they come up with may be the key that unlocks an opportunity or may give you insight that you didn't have. We feel rushed and trying to carve out time is as important as anything else. Because if you don't have enough time to do it right, you better have enough time to do it over. And frankly, we don't have enough time to do a lot of things over. Absolutely. And that brings me to my, my next question that I wanted to ask you. You know, say you're in the middle of a negotiation and you kind of say something wrong or maybe you're not listening to them the best way and you kind of forget where you are. How can we recover from that? Well, you kind of talked about two different things. When I talk about negotiation readiness, the third R is review. Mm -hmm. And what I recommend is that whenever you leave or you're done with that, that engagement phase, you, you immediately spend a few minutes, three minutes. We're not talking about, you know, a half an hour, three minutes going through and thinking about what just happened. And when you do that review process, one of the things you're asking about is, do I still have questions? What points did we talk about? You know, where did we leave each item on my written list? Which ones didn't we get to? Did, did anything happen in terms of the relationship? And to the extent something happened that made you uncomfortable or you think made the other person uncomfortable, you want to address that quickly. You know, maybe it's a follow-up phone call or, you know, as you're setting or even in the opening of the next phone call or whatever it is, you can say, you know, I feel like when I said X, I might have offended you or, you know, I, I just, something in your tone changed. And I want to be clear that, you know, if, if I said something that was offensive or, or insensitive, please let me know. Because, you know, my intent is to have a really good working relationship with you. And, you know, open communication is a big part of that. Absolutely. I, I love that. We are at time, but I, I wanted to ask you one more question. What is one thing, one key thing that women can take away that they should do in, or that can help them become better negotiators? That they want to become more effective negotiators and seek out the opportunities, whether it's training or, you know, resources or anything like that, that will allow them to learn in a way that works for them and develop new skills and to practice, practice in low stakes situations and, and get and be comfortable hearing no which is probably more than one thing, but that's... <laughs> I mean, that just gave the audience a whole list of things they can do to become better. That's going above and beyond. So now that we're at time, how can listeners get in touch with you and, and learn more about you and your work? Well, I know you're really good about putting links on your site. So my site is borkworks.com. It's my last name, B-O-R-K-E, followed by the word works. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. You can see my website and that, that will be, you know, that'll be available on your website as well. Fantastic. Well, Susan, it has been an absolute pleasure. 
We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for being a listener of the Ask with Confidence podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're enjoying the content, please subscribe and review. We want this podcast to reflect what you, the listener, are experiencing in your everyday life and your feedback will help us do just that. Again, thank you. And we hope you join us in the next episode.